Super Scoreboard. Women in Football Podcast. Inspiring the next generation of girls in the game. Welcome to the very first Super Scoreboard Women in Football Podcast with me, Joe Hendry. And me, Callum Bell. Callum, welcome. How are you? I'm excited to get started with this. Excited to get our teeth stuck into it, which is a pun for later. <laughs> but how good does this feel to be here right now? Yeah, it's exciting. The game deserves this. Um, it's not had it yet, and I'm hoping that we can do it justice. And I'm, I'm pretty sure you will, but we'll see if I can too. And it's a great time as well, obviously. I know you don't want to sound like you're only here because things are great, but things are really, really great in women's football just now. And I think... You got that sense from last summer at the World Cup when it all really started kicking off, pardon the pun, but, um, you know, it was there's just a great vibe around it. And now to see how much Scotland in particular really kicked on, we'll touch on the league stuff as well, but um, Scotland are really doing us proud at the moment in terms of the women, aren't they? Absolutely flying. And I'll be honest, I'm a glory hunter. When I watched <laughs> the World Cup last year, I don't know, I think like most people in Scotland, it really kind of ignited that passion. Mm. Um, that game against Argentina in particular, there was everything. There was excitement, there was disappointing, there was thrills, there was terrible refereeing decisions. <laughs> it had everything. And I think since then, I've certainly kept a close eye on it. I think everybody has and become a fan. Um, so it's great to be part of this now and celebrating something that deserves to be celebrated more, I think. Yeah, and everyone getting behind it too in terms of fans, you know, um, regardless of the fact of whether it's men or women that are out there, you know, that feeling of the whole country kind of rooting for their team is just amazing. And I think that that's definitely, it's been a great point to start building on. We've not had this. We've not <laughs> no, had this, this is for, a new feeling. for years, for 22 <laughs> years. So it's, it, yeah, it, it's been a long time coming and thankfully we've got something to get behind now. And talking of the, obviously the positive results that the women's team, the Scotland's women's team in particular, have been building up to. They're out there in Spain just now at the Pinatar Cup, which we have, of course, won. We won something. <laughs> we won. Did you see my tweet when it happened? Loved it, yeah. In capital letters, Scotland won something in football. <laughs> yeah, what a result. And to do it with a game to spare, to do it in style. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it was incredible. What a result. Uh, I think... Again, just another reason for people to get behind this growing game. So, yeah, quite a quite an experience because it's the inaugural one, the first one. Am I right in saying that? Yeah, but I think as well, though, for me, it's it's two solid results against two good sides, you know. Um, and I think that that's a really encouraging thing, especially ahead of the Euro qualifiers that we have in April. And I just think that what a confidence booster going out there and, like you say, doing it with a game to spare. Yeah, and I think when you look forward to those two qualifiers I mean the first two games Scotland obviously six points in two games so far but we've not really played the big ones yet mm, um, yeah, true. so I think you need the confidence going into that so Cyprus the first game you know I'm not I'm not saying it's a given but a lot of confidence in that Portugal will be a tougher yeah a tougher game but obviously as well I know it's only in the last two qualifiers we've not played the strongest opposition we've scored 13 goals you know and it is that confidence it confidence breeds confidence so if they can get those goals in um, and get into that winning sort of feeling you know they'll kick on from there I'm sure of it definitely yeah I think you see in, in teams when they lose games they continue to lose games and, and when they don't make tournaments I'm not focusing on anyone in particular Scotland men's team they don't get to <laughs> tournaments it becomes a habit if you can get in a habit of doing the opposite mm-hmm. get into every tournament winning every game um, it, it really breeds this style and this confidence like you say and fingers crossed we can take it into the Euros you know what? I had a really, really interesting chat with Shelley Kerr um, for, and I, 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 I find out I find it really hard to say the name Kerr. 
<laughs> yeah, we found out afterwards, <laughs> didn't we? You're like, Kerr, 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 Shelley Kerr. Um, I had a great chat with her um, for our first pod this evening. And um, it, for me, going along to meet her, it was just, she was so relaxed, but so insightful, so informative. And honestly, like, I just found her a really, really interesting person to speak to. Um, so we had a great, great chat, um, which you can catch part one of our chat on this pod. And I think that it's a really, really interesting time, not only for women's football, but also coaches in terms of, especially someone like Shelley, who's coached in the men's and the women's game. And we talked a little bit as well about the influence on how much cross-working there is in the Scotland squads between the men and women. There's so much came out of it. Um, so I think going into this first chat, I think we might as well kick on and actually get Shelley on because do you know what? Um, it's definitely, definitely a great listen. Yeah, can I just tell you very quickly before we do this how jealous I am that you got to go on I didn't? <laughs> well, so come on, glad. you had the opportunity, Callum. I did. I was on you had a, a choice. <laughs> I was on a bus full of 20 men at 9am drinking a Corona for a stag do <laughs> and you sent me a WhatsApp saying Shelly Care's available today and I like I looked at the phone in one hand the Corona in the other I was like I can't there's no way <laughs> I can join you for this because I'd look like a disaster um, but I've heard parts of it and it, yeah it's sensational I thought you were brilliant I thought she was fascinating um, so yeah you're probably right we'll just get into it Yeah we should go on and get Shelly on the show here I went along to the Orium to speak to Shelly before she headed off to Spain with the team for the Pinotar Cup Super Scoreboard Women in Football Podcast Inspiring the next generation of girls in the game Shelley, thank you so much for joining us on our very first women's football podcast for Super Scoreboard It's a pleasure I feel like the first place that we should start with you is you were recently made an MBE How does that feel? I think it's more about other people uh, the award was for services to football, not just women's football, but mm-hmm. services to football. So I've been involved in the game a long time, but you know it's probably more recognition for other people and that have helped me. But you just try and play a small part in doing the best that you can to help people and have a passion for football yeah. and that developed from an early age. But you know it's really it was a proud moment, really mm-hmm. humbling and um, a complete honour. I have to be honest. What was the day like itself, though? Like, was that kind of surreal? Well, I didn't know what to expect, mm-hmm. and it's one of these things that when you you get an individual award, obviously it's a, a huge thing. But I think to see, especially my mum and my daughter, to to get to share the moment with them, and yeah. it was fantastic visiting Buckingham Palace. Mm-hmm. And, um, I got presented with um, from Prince Charles, so an amazing day. Um, went down the day before um, to London, and um, that was fantastic. Um, just surreal being actually in the palace, and mm-hmm. um, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I didn't think I would, but I thoroughly yeah. enjoyed it. <laughs> when you first started out, though, did you have this kind of level of achievement in mind, or is it just kind of developed into this for you? Uh, no, I didn't. I think that, and and still, I'm the same. You know, I don't think about trying to get success I just I've always been brought up with you know the values that if you work hard in life then you'll reap the rewards and mm-hmm. as a young girl you know started kicking a ball and it was really tough it was challenging times way back so there was no infrastructure there for girls to play football so you know my story has been quite challenging there's been barriers throughout my whole career but I never set my sights on becoming this successful have lots of achievements I've just tried to work hard and try and develop myself and you know I've, I've made a lot of mistakes personally and professionally and I think that's how you become a better person mm-hmm. you know and nobody is ever perfect and no matter what level you get to you're still learning I think that's the key thing 
And you mentioned, you know, growing up when you were sort of coming through and, you know, exploring your love for football, there not being a lot around at the time. Who who did you sort of look up to then or, you know, what sort of kept you on the path that, you know, was it did that come from yourself that made sure that you wanted to pursue this? I think that I was brought up really in a kind of disciplined environment, you know, we had kind of rules and my parents they would never have a day off work. The only time they ever took a day off work was when someone, you know, there was a bereavement or someone mm. died. And so it was very few times it took time off work. And we, we always had those values installed in us. But I guess the kind of the passion for football, it was what made me tick every day in life. Mm-hmm. You know, I loved sport in general. It's quite tough to think about it back then because you get there was a stigma attached mm-hmm. when you were a, a girl involved in sport in general you know I was classed as a tomboy and lots of people got put off playing sport but I stuck with it and I guess that that's what developed my characteristics that I have Mm. now where Mm. you become even more determined but I think back then you didn't have visible a lot of visible role role models in terms of females so you know I like Kenny Dalglish as a footballer but I watched athletics and um, there wasn't a lot of female sport on TV and yeah. thankfully that is changing but mm-hmm. it needs to change more because I think that you know we need to make sure that we can captivate young girls to get involved in physical yeah. activity and it doesn't matter what level I'm working on a professional level now and an elite level physical activity is so so important for the health and well-being of the public so I think we've got a duty to kind of you know visibly show role models all the time for young girls to get involved in sport and the challenges as well that you mentioned and you know the stigma that is changing it definitely is with women being involved in football or sport how did you manage to sort of block that out or, or did you use it to you know build up your resilience and you know, that sort of firepower to prove people wrong, maybe? I didn't block it out. It was there. Mm-hmm. It was always at the forefront of my mind. And it was always one of these um, kind of things that was in your head where you're saying, well, I've got a point to prove here. Mm-hmm. I need to prove a point. Yeah. So when I was younger, it was all with boys. And so you're almost having to play a game of football and you have to try and tackle harder, be just as quick. And it was the same throughout my career um, that, you know, you're always in challenging moments and I've always felt that, you know, if you have that determination, then Mm. that determination can lead you to success. That, coupled with the fact that you have working class values, then it's really helped me massively have been grounded as well. And it's not a nice thing to say, but it's almost like you've always got a point to prove. And that is, that's what sort of breeds that mentality though, and that sort of, like you've got to be faster than the fastest boy you know because you're a girl and you feel like you've got a point to prove almost so when you're up against them as a kid I guess that really brings it out in you yeah and it's you know maybe you know I wasn't faster than them but I had to try and bridge the gap so it always made you push yourself harder Mm -hmm. and I'm, I'm still the same I'm 50 years old right now and I go to the gym even to switch off and I try and beat my time from you know the (laughs) previous because it's just what I do I just that competitive you know streak it's been with me throughout my whole career and Mm -hmm. you know I compete with myself and sometimes that can be a bad thing but I've certainly got a real strength that coping mechanisms when things don't go your way that you know stand you in good stead and that is as well what you said about you know there weren't many female footballers for you to look up to when you were younger but it's just about female athletes who make it to the top of their game and it's just about taking from them you know seeing what they've overcome as well which is inspiring to young girls now obviously they've got all the girls that are coming through the the national team and all the clubs and things like that so there's a lot more there is and and it's not just 
you know, role models within your own sport. It's people, Mm -hmm. you know, it's teachers, it's your parents, it's your family. So the role model doesn't need to be, you know, the perfect athlete. You know, it's so many people that can be influential and give you the right advice. I think that's hugely important for young people in general. And obviously you went through your playing career, but going on to coach, and you've coached both men and women. What are the differences? You know, obviously we know the physical differences and things like that, but what stands out for you as sort of the biggest differences between coaching the two? I think in my opinion, and, you know, the, the first thing is that for sure coaching is different from managing. So they're two different um, things altogether. I think coaching women, they are more receptive, they're more inquisitive, Mm -hmm. so you have to provide a clarity and you have to be meticulous with everything. And I think that, I don't know the reasons for it, when you're coaching men, they make things happen so they don't ask as many questions and maybe there's an assumption that they know already, but certainly it challenges you as a coach when you're working with different genders. I would say that certainly females, they want to know what time, they want to know why they're doing something Mm -hmm. and they want to know every single detail and that's great, it challenges you as a coach. Managing, however, Mm -hmm. so I would say that women are easier to coach but when it comes to managing, I think they're harder to manage. Right, okay. The reason I say that, and this is just in my experience, so um, I hope no one's offended. (laughs) But I can only speak honestly about my own experiences and that. I think, you know, the rationale behind it is that I think that when you make a decision and you're a manager in terms of females, I think it can affect the whole group rather than just that individual. And therefore, it makes it even more challenging. When you're working with a group of men, boys, I think they're more apt to just go with the flow. You know, they don't get distracted the same. And that's just in my experience. And certainly... Um, when you make decisions and uh, working with females, I think it affects more than that individual in the yeah. group. So you have to be mindful of that. And, you know, as managers, we don't always get things right. But that's the hard part. It's about critically reflecting on your decision-making process. Mm-hmm. But I would say that women, easier to coach, harder to manage. In that respect as well, though, I mean, that's that's maybe just a, a psychological thing or the way that women are made up and men are made up. But in terms of actually the game here, which is now changing this season, particularly with Celtic Rangers going full-time, and it being a viable career path for women, do you think that that might change the mindset a little bit? You know, because before, you've got women who are going out working full-time and they're going and playing at night and because and a lot of the women that I've spoken to is because, purely because they love it, you know, and they have to love it to be able to work all the hours that they work and then continue in the sport too. Some of the players, you know, we they deserve so much credit, you know, juggling university, college, school, working full-time, working part-time as well as train like a professional. That's hard. I think that there is a change in landscape now, women's game. You know, I think it's fantastic that we've got some big clubs that are attached to men's clubs that are actually now willing to resource. And I think that can only help the domestic product. You know, now, if a little girl plays football, she should have the same opportunities that a little boy has. And I think we're getting there. It definitely will change the mindset because for many, many years, I mean, if you look historically, women were banned from playing football, which is quite ridiculous Mm -hmm. when you look at it now. But So the game is evolving. We need to be mindful of that. It's came a long way Mm -hmm. in a short period of time. I think we've been... There's like three brackets that I would kind of categorise it. So you have... We've been an amateur status in Scotland in particular, and then we've got this professional status kind of floating around. 
And, you know, just now we're somewhere in the middle. It's that transitional phase from mm-hmm. being an amateur status to going to professional. Yeah. So, And I think it's allowing people to be comfortable with that mm-hmm. and then kind of slowly bridge the gap yeah. from being having that amateur mindset to professional. And I think it's definitely, um, for me, the, the big changes will make a huge difference in the women's game. And I think it's brilliant. Not everyone plays football or starts playing football and wants to be a professional player. So it's important that we cater for everyone. But right now, I think it really pleases me that there is an opportunity to have a career as a professional footballer for, for, for girls. And I think you hit the nail on the head there when you said when little girls coming through they've got the same opportunity. You know, they have that equal opportunity that a boy has to, to pursue that career as a professional. And that's something that, that's not always existed. I think it's about the environment as well. Mm. We talk all the time about resource. And when we talk about resource, um, you know, the financial climate in Scotland for football in general, mm-hmm. I mean, I wouldn't say that we're the wealthiest yeah. um, of nations. So we're all, we're all fighting for resource. And... But what I keep on saying is that sometimes people will wave a fiver in front of you and people just take that. They don't ask what it's for or they mm-hmm. don't you know, have any rationale on what they're going to do with it. What I always say, and even to clubs that are thinking about investing more, think about human resources as well. I think historically the women's game, we need the best people, we need the best coaches, we need the best medical support, we need mm-hmm. the best sports science. So it's, And we need the best environment because a little girl to you know, a teenager to women, you want to come into an environment that's safe, that's going to develop you, educate you. There's more than just the football. For me, the big message to all the clubs or clubs that are looking to invest more, look at all the different facets that's involved at your club and think about what environment without thinking finances. Mm -hmm. Because sometimes it's just sharing the resource that's already there. Because people always assume that it's going to cost lots of money. There's creative ways to do it. And, you know, certainly I think, for me, that word environment is key. And of course there's physical, we know there's physical benefits to football, of course, but it's the, the psychological and the sort of family feel that I... I love around women's teams and the friendships that are built that last, you know, a lifetime usually. Um, and that's so good for young girls, a lot of young girls that might never experience that otherwise, you know. I think there's been research done before about, you know, if, you know, if one girl goes and plays football, then maybe another one will go because she wants to take a friend with her mm-hmm. in that comfortable environment. And that's great for the entry points of the pathway. Um, but even spectating at games... There's, the players are absolutely brilliant at interacting yeah. with the support and you know even national team games um, our most recent game at Easter Road against Cyprus in the Euro qualifiers we had over 6,000 there and the time that the players spend with mm-hmm. the support afterwards and that's why people come back um, and it's a different feel for it you know you don't yeah. get as much negativity um, in and in around the stadium that's great because it's a different um it's different spectators, different type of people that come and yeah. watch women's women's games, and um, that's been well received. And I know how important it is for the players to get that yeah. support as well. But it definitely is. I think that um, you know, there's definitely friendships, and there's a lot more than actually playing the game yeah. involved in it. And also for your girls, well, you know, for professionals as well, though, that do. And I'm not saying in the men's game they don't give time to fans. Of course they do. But do you think there's just kind of more gratitude coming from women perhaps that 
shown towards the fans or that give them more time that way? Do you, do you Definitely. I mean, if you interact with anyone, you know, having that one-to-one, you know, speaking to a little girl or a parent that's brought their little girl, they go away and that makes their night. Sometimes yeah. they forget about the product yeah. on the pitch. Yeah. It's just about actually yeah. meeting their hero or whatever the case may be. But I, I definitely think it's something that, and I have to play, play, play great, you know, credit to the players, you know, at all levels, how much they interact with the support. And, you know, there is a safety issue there as well, because in the in the men's game, obviously, there's bigger crowd, you, you know, there's more security. But I think that's something that we do really well. And I think it's something that's valued by the public that come and watch. Yeah, it's definitely a strength, isn't it? And I guess, I mean, going back to yourself and sort of your own career, sort of towards the end of last year, we heard your name banded about for the Hearts job which is obviously something that has never happened up here before. I guess, first of all, how much truth was there in that? Is that was that the bookies putting your name to that? or was Yeah, it... I, I mean, there was no truth in it. There was no approach or anything like that. It's like everything. When a manager um, gets sacked or mm-hmm. resigns, there's always names branded about. That's mm-hmm. what people do. People have opinions on it. They put names out there. But there was no truth in it. Um, you know, Hearts are a, a club that... I've supported from an early age. Mm. They're my club, they're my team. Um, I've never made any secret. I know some people involved in football don't out themselves, but hearts are a team that I've supported since I was a young girl. So, um, but um, it was was flattering, get your name mentioned in the same sentence as some of the other managers. I've worked obviously in the men's game before and, you know, I've never hidden the fact I'm a very ambitious, you know, I see football as football, you know, whether you're an expert and it's the same game played by different people. Um, At some point, I would like to be involved in the men's game for sure, but my priority is um, being at the helm for the national team and we've got a qualification campaign that we're in the middle of and we want to try and be successful and get to another another final. I mean, even the fact that that was suggested last year, how far away do you think we are from that happening? You know, for a high-profile team such as Hearts to, or any other high-profile team to have. I, I, I personally, in my own opinion, I think we're still a wee, a wee bit off it. And I'm a great believer that you have to, um, everything should be on merit. I think that as much as I think I'm able and capable of, um, you know, doing a job um, and being a manager of a, a, a men's club, um, I think that you've got to start off. I worked in the Lowland League, which is the fifth tier. You have to, and I'm working with a national team, which is fantastic. I've got a lot of experience in all different areas. But I think I'm a great believer you have to earn your, your trade. And yeah. um, so, you know, do I think that it, it would be good for a woman to go in right at that level. No, I don't. Mm-hmm. I think you have to start off at you know, you know, another level. But do I think that there, myself and others are capable? Absolutely, a hundred percent. And um, I do think it will happen. I think it's a matter of time, but it depends on the level as yeah. well. It would take brave um, board of directors to make the appointment because the scrutiny that they're under is immense. It's business. Football is a business yeah. and. The problem and the challenges that we have in football in general is that all the stakeholders out there, they always they always concern themselves with three points. Whereas if you look at developing anything, it takes time. You yeah. have to have a strategy in place. Mm-hmm. But in football, you don't get that opportunity. Mm-hmm. I mean, the average tenure of a manager now is less than a year. So it's, it's a hard, hard gig. So 
I don't know if that answered your question. Yeah. Um, no, absolutely. And I think it's irrespective of gender as well, the point that you made in that whoever is appointed to that post, whether they're male or female, needs to have earned the right to be there and also have the experience to be there as well. So I think that that's... Yeah, and, and there's lots of roles. You know, we've got... You look at Hearts and Hibs, for example, they get two fantastic leaders in Anne Budge and Leanne Dempster. They've both had challenging moments in their own careers as well. And, you know, they're running football clubs. I think, you know, I'd like to see more females in sporting directors' roles. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's a, a whole discussion and debate around what that role encompasses. People mm-hmm. have got it as a you know, a recruitment role mm-hmm. of players, but it's absolutely not. A sporting director, for me, is looking at all areas of the business and yeah. you're the one that's the glue that's reporting to the board and mm-hmm. having an overall knowledge of every different little component from a football operations perspective. But I definitely think that there's that there is changing times. You know, I think that the big thing, it's going back to when I played with the boys... You have to be successful. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, people will then say, I told you so. That The fit needs to be right for mm-hmm. the person in the club. And the role needs to be right. And obviously, mm-hmm. you have to have one confident person to do that. Because we can see it happen. I could foresee it happening. If mm-hmm. you're not successful, people will be ready to say, I told you so. Yeah. And it's so far from the truth. Because, you know... It, it should never be about gender. It should be about your skill set to do and execute a job. You know all the different um, intricacies in a job. Super Scoreboard Women in Football Podcast, inspiring the next generation of girls in the game. Well, Callum, I said it was interesting, and I don't think I over-exaggerated there. How much did you enjoy that chat? I mean, Shelley is just such a great person to listen to and speak to, isn't she? She's fascinating. Yeah, I've written like loads of notes down from parts of the, the, the interview that, that I just found fascinating. She's, you can tell from her attitude and the way she speaks why she's gotten to where she's gotten. Um, really driven really passionate really humble mm-hmm. not that I didn't expect that yeah. I think you have to be in, in your career to get anywhere but really really grounded yeah. I'd written that word down three times and underlined it grounded grounded yeah. grounded um, I thought it was really interesting firstly when she spoke about her hero when she was young being Kenny Dalglish yeah. and I thought it, what, an, what, a, what an amazing turnaround I guess since then and, and now mm-hmm. where rather than Kenny Dalglish having to be her hero She's the hero for people who are growing yeah. up in the game now. Yeah. Or Erin Cuthbert's their hero. Like it's a it's a really positive turnaround from yeah. when she was a youngster trying to get into the game. She didn't have anyone to look up to. Yeah. And the the way she carries herself, the way she speaks, what a great figure to look up to. Yeah. And I think for me as well, that was one of the big things that struck me. Like you say how grounded she was, but to see where she came from and go on and you know, blaze the trail that she has, which is essentially what she is doing right now is sort of breaking through that barrier. And really with limited role models to look up to, um, I think that that was definitely the biggest thing. But also for me, I found it really interesting to hear about how she sees women's roles in the game, how they've evolved. For me, that was super interesting as well, because, you know, as you heard there, we talked about the fact that, you know, in the press, it was discussed that she could potentially replace Craig Levine and whilst you know she said that that was not necessarily there was no approach or anything it's not impossible you know and I, and I found her but I found her answer really really interesting in that regardless of gender you need to earn the right to be there. Yeah there was a, a sense that she said when she talked about people who would employ managers in the position mm-hmm. they're in 
And she said, it's not gender. I think I've written that in quotations, always concerned with three points. It's not yeah. about your gender. It's about whether you can get that. And I thought whether you agree with her or not, it's really interesting that she said, you know, I don't think the game is there yet. I yeah. don't think we're ready for it yet. Um, I think I, I like to hope we will be soon. I don't know if I necessarily agree that we are there yet. She would know better than I do, I suppose. But yeah, I found that really interesting. I went and checked the odds from when the rumours were out. She was 33 to 1 at the time. Alec Neal was 50 to 1. She wasn't even the longest odds. Uh I think that says a lot in that people could definitely get on board with it. But I guess we're going to have to wait a wee bit longer for it to happen. But fingers crossed it does. Because you can tell from the interview, at least I personally think she's ready. Yeah, definitely ready it's just whether the game's ready for her you can tell she's got that winning mentality and it's really filtering down into the Scotland women's team that she's coaching just now yeah and I love how she said at one point there to wind down I go to the gym yeah. can someone please give me some of what Shelley cares on because that's not what I do when I wind down I get a fish supper and sit on the couch Exactly. I mean, I could talk for as long as that was on about how fantastic it was and pick it apart. And I think that, you know, even so interesting listening to her her take on coaching men and women and the differences in that. And I thought that was really interesting as well. There's so much there. Um, And luckily for you guys, we have a part two to that interview, which is going to be going out on our second pod. And that starts off with Shelley talking about a sort of conflict in herself really becoming you know being a mum and working she was a player at the time and a really really candid chat with her about that um, and obviously following on from there into the success Scotland have had so you can catch that on our next pod and it'd be really easy for me to jump in and say oh can we wait for that but I genuinely can't wait for it because I purposely I don't, we listened to bits of it before we did this I listened mm-hmm. to the full version there but I've purposely not listened to the second part because I want to get my own thoughts as yeah. I listen to it when we do the next one so I can't wait to hear part two that part one was brilliant well we hope you look forward to it but we are going to crack on with our studio guest this week she... hold on hold on <laughs> you know what that is? I know what it is but I don't know if anyone else does <laughs> um, she is the St Mirren captain she went viral recently for... How can we describe this? I'll just do it again. Just do, you talk and I'll do it. All right, so she went viral recently for basically slapping her own kneecap back into place. During a game. <laughs> During a game and then just casually playing on like it was nothing. She played on. She played on. She she played on. I, I genuinely didn't know that part she of the story. On. She played on. What a machine. I mean, I would be like literally on my backside for about I don't know two months you know that way when babies like cry uncontrollably and there's nothing you can do to Uh calm them down I would take one look at my kneecap facing the wrong way by 90 degrees and do that for a bit yeah it was unreal and I think that it's only fair that Jane O'Toole will be our very first inductee to the Birds with Boz Hall of Fame (laughs) (laughs) what a sentence Birds with Boz. We are joined in the studio by our very first inductee into the Birds with Boz Hall of Fame. It's <laughs> <laughs> St Mirren Captain Jane O'Toole. Hi, how are you doing? We're really good. How are you? Welcome. Thank you for having me. It's flattering. <laughs> this must be small time for you now because you were everywhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a wee bit mental. It kind of went all over the place, didn't it? Yeah, yeah. But no, it's definitely not small time, no. It really did, like, go viral, as in round the world. And for anybody that doesn't know what we're talking about, Jane, talk us through what 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 you did to your knee. Basically, it was a 50-50 sort of challenge. Won the ball, um, took a knock to my knee, and it 
popped out my kneecap basically so <laughs> and to anyone that would be game over yep um no, I just popped it back in and finished the 90 minutes as you Casually do. Casually popped it back in. Can I just quickly say, you did not pop it back in. You took no, your I thumped it back in. and you went like that and put it back in. I've never seen anything like yeah. it. I think the fifth punch maybe oh. got it. Yeah. Oh, honestly, I must have watched that 10 times before I could actually comprehend what you were doing to your leg. I, I was like, is that her knee? Is that actually mm-hmm. what's happening? Yeah, I think a few of the girls thought I was maybe just a bit frustrated with mm. how the game was going initially and then... I think after the third or fourth hit, they thought, oh, she's actually popping her knee cap back in. <laughs> Is that something you've done before? Years and years ago, but I didn't actually do it myself, though the paramedics put it back in that time, which is probably more sensible. But this time it was, I didn't think about it. I yeah. just needed to go back in, basically. And what what made you decide to do that? <laughs> um, I don't, don't think there was much thought went into it. I just uh-huh. thought that's really, really sore, so that needs to go back in. And uh-huh. I didn't even think about it. It was just instinct really I just popped it back in straight away I just think it's incredible that you, you did it you put it back in you brush it off and this is the part that I found most amazing when I spoke to Joe earlier Joe was like and she played the rest of the game I was like sorry what <laughs> she what you just played on yeah just a wee bit of the magic sponge and <laughs> you just get on with it don't you I mean I'm not being funny but like the things that you see in maybe the men's game that they go down with and you're running off a dislocated knee yeah like that yeah. <sighs> There's been a few comments, actually, that I've not read a lot of them online, but a few of the ones that have been screenshotted and sent to Uh me have been ones like that. You know, if it was a man, they would have been stretched off or whatever, you know. Maybe maybe that's what should have happened, but I didn't think about that. I just said to people I was playing on and Uh that was it, really. Have you run on it since? Um, Yeah, I have been working Mm -hmm. with the physio and stuff like that in the gym and it's just strengthening it back up again. It's actually fine, it's just... It's always a bit weaker because it's just happened, so I just need to yeah. strengthen it back up again. But I've been running at training and stuff like that, so it's been fine. And you play for St Mirren. Is that something that's drilled in Ian Paisley? If you get hurt, you just punch it back <laughs> in place. <laughs> you just get on with yeah. it. Yeah. Um, I mean, obviously we're not about playing on with full injuries and things, but you don't really think about it. You know, you take knocks in a football mm-hmm. game and that is just the mentality. You just get back up and get on with it. So, yeah, obviously if they'd have known, I think, how bad it was, they probably wouldn't have let me play on. But because I'm telling... You know, the coaches and things, I'm fine. So, you know, that was it. And they didn't really know actually what had happened until they saw the video later on. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I guess the mentality is just get up and get on with it if you're all right. You know. Do you think that that is ingrained in the women's game? Like more so just to, you know, mm. get get on with things? Definitely, I would say. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah. you don't really, it's not really about any team I've ever been at. You've never been taught to, you know, take a dive or mm-hmm. anything like that. And, you know, you say to the coach, you've got to be niggling the game and, you know, oh, see how it goes and you just kind of get on with it really to be honest you don't really think about it certainly yeah. didn't think about it much that day <laughs> no clearly not and see if I were you I would like print out that picture of when the knee is at a 90 degree angle yeah. put it in a wee frame and have that as a plaque on my wall I would be saying that was me I did that and I punched it I think my mum and dad will be doing that for me I don't think I'll need to do that <laughs> yeah it's, uh, it, it's incredible and I think when I first watched it I was like oh, that's, I don't know why I should and then I uh, this this when it does the slow mo. It's the mm. it's the zoom in uh, one. I think yeah. that people realise yeah. actually what's happened. Yeah. And do you think and it's quite graphic? Doing it previously and having the the paramedics. Do you think that kind of like I don't know. Did that prepare you? Did that brace you for doing it again? Um, not really. But I just knew it was really sore when it was out. And the last time when the paramedics were there, I think it was like 10, 15 minutes with it popped out. So it was actually even worse. So if anything, it was better that it just went back in quicker because it's like relief. So actually I was just like, no, it's just going back in. I just did it myself. <laughs> you didn't even like, what I found incredible is, and 
because uh, you can kind of hear what's happening. You didn't like scream. You weren't down there saying like, say, ah, it was just like right into it, put it back in, back up. Here we go. Yeah, pretty much. Um, one of the girls actually, that my, one of my friends after it, and she did say to me, she's like, you didn't even cry. And I was like, I know, but there's no time to cry. <laughs> you mm-hmm. just had to do it. <laughs> and the game was still going, so... Yeah. Just get back up again. Unreal. And obviously, like, I mean, I can't get by it. I'm just like totally <laughs> stunned by the fact that you did this. I think it's amazing that you've got that kind of grit to go ahead and just like get on with things. And obviously it's right at the start of the season as well. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. you're just cracking on. Everything's all good. That's what you've got to do, isn't it? Yeah. And as a captain as well, I guess. Mm-hmm. Does that ever come into your thinking or are you just there doing what you would be doing anyway? I think I'd have probably done it anyway, but I think as a captain, then you feel a bit more responsibility and you don't want to like let your team down either. Mm-hmm. Um, and that day, we had no subs, so if I'm go off, we're 10 men as well. So then I think that comes into your head and you just think, no, there's absolutely no way, even although we're getting beat, there's no way I'm going to let the team then struggle on for another half an hour with a man down as well. Yeah. So yeah, I guess that comes into it. And then as a captain, you feel a bit more responsible. You don't want to let your team down. But then I don't think... That affects it really. I think any of our team probably would be like that. As a team, we're quite good that way. We're quite yeah. tight where you want to do what you can for the team, I guess. So. And what sort of team have you guys got together just now then? Like, so as a group? So as a group, we've sort of changed a lot actually because the the league system and the level we're at in the championship, that's just been sort of formed this year. So it's gone to more of a performance league as opposed to they've now got a recreational league, which is separate. So the idea is, is that going forward Scottish women's football becomes a lot more competitive so then the standard gets driven up so we've brought in I think 14 new players into the team Mm -hmm. and kept like a core of like five so it's changed a lot over the break Um, so it takes a while for everyone to gel but it's going well so far and everyone that's come in is really nice and they're a generally really good group Mm -hmm. so you know it's going to go places but it just takes a while to yeah like anything doesn't it yeah and we're only relatively new club actually this is only our third season so from starting the turnover of players the, the first season or two is always massive because setting up as a new club it always takes time for everything to sort of settle down a wee bit but you get the feeling now going into the third season with the restructuring and everything in place that the next few the next few months and years will just kind of roll on and it'll just get better and better every every month you know and you've been there since the start haven't you yeah this is my third season now yeah, yeah. so you must one of the core five <laughs> yeah that's it though but with that you, you know you must feel a little bit of ownership as well like and a little bit of pride in uh-uh. you know forming that group and trying to you know push on well definitely yeah and I mean Samirin are a big club to play for as well do you know what I mean they're they're a big name in Scottish football they've been around a long time so you feel a wee bit of pride in actually playing for the the club as well and then it's trying to instill that into the new players coming in that actually you're playing for a really good name you're playing for a you know a badge here and you know what I mean and it's trying to instill that into the players as well but so far so good it just takes a wee bit of time getting the squad together and stuff like that and yeah as I said it's getting a bit better you know every year yeah and in terms of sort of the wider landscape of women's football in Scotland you know what is like you say improving and the attitudes around it are improving and it's really you know the product I think on the pitch is improving as well so it's all sort of on that upward trajectory and as well there's a you know a pathway as a career now for for women and young girls in, in the game mm-hmm. yeah well definitely I mean it certainly wasn't there when I was younger you know there was no opportunity really to go professional whereas the girls coming through now you've got Celtic and Rangers and the SPL1 going professional this year so mm-hmm. straight away that's like a pathway for younger girls to aspire to when I was a when I was a girl you know and 
playing with the boys teams and whatever and they were all I want to be a footballer that was never an option for me but yeah. it is now for girls coming through which is great and then you obviously you've got a lot of the teams in England and stuff going that way as well Scotland will catch up but you mm-hmm. know it's going in the right direction and talk to us a little bit about what you do during the day then uh, I'm a dentist you're a dentist yeah. <laughs> like just basically doing it all ticking yeah. all the boxes here uh, you know that's a lot of women's football though a lot of people don't know that but there's solicitors engineers you know and I think in our team we've got two engineers we've got a food scientist we've got a policewoman we've got a firefighter like all working really hard like full time jobs but yet find the time for the football as well Yeah, and you play for the love of it don't you well, that's another question mm-hmm. so you do that day to day how much mm-hmm. um, of your week does St Mirren take up so we train three nights a week and then play football on a Sunday. So you're, yeah, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday's training and then you generally do your own gym work. We've got a fitness coach that will give us programmes to work with in the gym. So you maybe do one or two sessions on your own and then you're playing football on a Sunday. So probably taking up three or four nights of your week and then a Sunday as well. I think that's that's a really fascinating thing as well about the women's mm-hmm. game is that you know you just round off a list of really impressive professions there and these are girls that are so women as well girls that are dedicated to the sport they've got to be to go out and work full time part time study whatever they're doing mm-hmm. and then come in put a shift in at the weekend train how many nights a week three nights a three week, nights yeah. at least three mm-hmm. nights and then you've got your gym work and all that on top of that so mm-hmm. totally yeah you just do it for the love of it mm-hmm. you're just passionate about it and it doesn't really come into it that you think about that, you know, and that's the vast majority of Scottish football, to be honest, other than, um, as I said, your Celtic and Rangers that have just went professional. Um, and I think maybe Glasgow City, there's maybe a few part-time, but generally the vast majority of Scottish football is unpaid and you've got women in sort of really high-profile, high-stressful, really busy jobs. You just play football for the love of it. You know, there's no money involved there. So Jane, obviously we've seen what you did with your knee. If mm-hmm. it popped out again, would you say you would do it? Would you do the same thing over? I would pop it back in, but not in the way that I did it. Mm-hmm. I've since spoke to my physio and he was like, if that happens again, do not do it like that. Do it this way. So he since showed me the right way to do it. So I would do it again, but just in a different way. And but in a, in a sense, so I can understand why you made that split second decision, because it's not like you've got a physio running on to come and help you. You would have had to have literally phoned an ambulance. Pretty much, yeah. It would have been that 10, 15 minute wait. Again, just waiting on the ambulance to get there because we don't have like a match day physio. The, because the Performance League has just been set up, the teams get a year to get all of this stuff in place. And then if they don't meet the criteria by the end of the year, then obviously um, there's a bit of bother there. But they'll get a year. So it takes a while because it's just been formed. So it'll take a while for every team to tick every box. But eventually that will be something that certainly in every league they'll have for match day which will be quite good because we'll not have to put up with that <laughs> and can I ask what is the proper way to put it back in um, so he said actually the best way to do it is straighten your leg get someone to like hold underneath your ankle so yeah. your leg's straight and then it'll move back in place a bit better but someone has to hold your leg so I don't think anyone was coming over to help me anyway no, so. that, wouldn't, that wouldn't be me sorry yeah. I'd be out of there I don't think someone was going to help me anyway so that's how you do it straighten your leg Someone holds your ankle up and then you pop it back in. So if anyone out there ever dislocates their knee and they f- feel the need to put it back in themselves... Oh, we'll double check with a physio. Don't take my word for it. <laughs> well, that's it. It's in writing. It's, that's not official. Listen, <laughs> Mirren Captain says... <laughs> I'm not a physio. Don't take my advice. <laughs> Jane, we are going to um, crack on with a couple of questions for you. We've got a feature that we do with all... That we're going to be doing with all of our guests and you, of course, are our first. Okay. Um, no pressure. We're going to give you 30 seconds, I think that's fair. 
Jane, what was the first game you went to? Um, I think it was Celtic versus Kilmarnock at Celtic Park. Who's your footballing hero? Henrik Larson. Best player you've played with? Oh, um. <laughs> you can pass. This says a lot about your team. Oh, <laughs> I can't even they're all so good. I'm <laughs> sorry, I can't That's separate it. them. Yeah. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I couldn't pick a favourite. That was what it was. I didn't want. To. <laughs> they're like, all too good. Like picking like, your kids. Like trying to pick yeah, a favourite. Exactly. Do you exactly. know what you've That's also done there? Good. And you've done everyone a favour. Is you've only got a three, so everyone else can beat it. <laughs> you set a low score. That was. I'm just setting the bar low. Yeah. <laughs> I like what you did there. That was good. That was good. <laughs> Very thoughtful. I mean, I don't think that crown's yeah, going to last very long. I'm not singling anyone out there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's a few names popping into my head, and I thought, no, I don't oh. want to. I don't want to be picking anyone. Yeah, Everyone's good. That's yeah. you out. That, oh, well. I, I don't. I'm not sure how long you're going to stay on that leaderboard. But nah, probably one episode. <laughs> yeah, I think so. Listen, the good news is you're at the top right now. I'll take that. <laughs> you should be flossing for a week because after that, it's done. <laughs> Jane I think that brings us naturally to a conclusion good good way to end (laughs) should we tell her should we I think we should so I say Callum a little challenge just Uh to get as many mouth teeth dental related words into this chat as possible without you noticing (laughs) and if you busted him then he failed his mission but I think you I I wasn't counting I I heard a couple Nine. Stop. Nine. Did you get nine, nine? Nine. What ones did you get? So, wow. say ah. I was like, oh, you're on the ground. If it was me, I'd be saying ah. That was quite good. <laughs> get your teeth into it. Smash that one. Flossing that I one. I got that. There. That was. I thought you'd catch me out with that. Uh-huh. Brush it off. Um, you got filling. crown. I did get. Did you see crown? Crown, crown was that good. was beautiful. Filling at the end there. Um, did you brace yourself? For that moment, that's decent, and you deserve a wee plaque on the wall. Is my personal favourite. That was that was a good one. No, you say that, yeah. Uh-huh. I think it's because my life is just filled with dental chat. I didn't even like clock it. It's just my life. Anyway. It's also a really weird game. So it's a weird I don't game. Blame so you for thank you so much, Jane, no, for no coming problem. to join us. Thank you very much. Thank you, Jane. It's been a, it's been a pleasure having you on. Thank you. No, and it's been fun. I know, I know how mental you are because of what happened to me, so please don't bar me when you're leaving for doing this. I'm a gentle touch off the football field. I'm not like that normally. <laughs> you can join us on our next pod for the second part of Shelley Care and a very special studio guest next time. Thanks for listening. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs>